Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Podcastica, a Doctor Who review podcast here on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. We are going to talk about the very interesting Delta and the Bannermen. But before I do that, I would like to welcome in my co-host, Taylor. Taylor, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a busy weekend. I'm actually really rather tired. Uh, how oh, are you, John? Boy. Um, I am doing quite well. Uh, just um, I really don't know what's, what's going on with me. I, I swam in a pool yesterday. That was fun. Wow. Yeah. And, and the world didn't end? No, it didn't. Oh, no? good world, to know. The world did not end. It, it, it kept it know. going. Yes. Yeah, that, it's been hot lately. Yes, it has. I think it was like 93 yesterday, about yeah. mid-90s today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I stayed inside yep. for most of the day today. I I did similar. I actually uh, took my son. We ran up to a, a bus show that was happening uh, up in Antioch. And uh, hung out there, caught up with friends for a few hours, and then came home and stuck ourselves in the air conditioning. That is always a good thing, to be stuck right? in the air conditioning. <laughs> it's my favorite thing ever invented. I like very much. So, Taylor, as I said earlier, we watched Delta and the Bannermen. But before we get that, yeah. as usual, we have some Who news. We have a little, yeah. Would you like to um, read this first I- one here? I, I will, but I'm going to kind of rely on you for a little bit of background on it because uh, the folks behind Gallifrey One have announced that they are changing up the rules on how they do uh, ticket swaps. And yes. I'm going to let you describe that, but they are they are hinting that more guests are coming soon, but you know, we only have my hopes and dreams as to who that might be. <laughs> yes, they did so hint at more guests. Tell us more about this. So the ticket swap, um, it's basically just like the reselling of tickets. They used to do this, and then I assume it didn't happen to me personally that um, some shady things happened, and then they Uh-oh. said no more tickets, reselling of tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the system they had in place was pretty good, I thought. One year, two of my friends couldn't get tickets, and I um, scooped them up from a man I have yet to meet. I told him... The next time I see him at Gallifrey, I'll buy him a drink, but he hasn't shown up for the past, I think it was two years. Oh, my. Yeah, so um, I believe his name's Tanner. Tanner, if you're randomly listening, I owe you that drink, sir, because you helped me <laughs> out. Yeah, so basically it, they would just have like a forum and they would just resell the tickets. And they just closed it for, I think it was a year or two. Mm-hmm. which made it like if you didn't get a ticket, you were done. That was the end of it. And then they yeah. they kind of tried to do it where like if you, if I was buying a ticket, but I also wanted to buy tickets for other people, I could have guests of. Right, and, I remember that. And then the guests of, you could, they were basically like n- to be named later, basically. Right, okay. Um. Yeah, so... You could, like, when you go up, it's like, oh, do you have your guests with you? Yep, these are my guests. These are their names. Here's the information. Cool, let's go. you got to wonder if somebody cosplayed the Ninth Doctor and had someone cosplay Rose and be like, this is my plus one. (laughs) I bet you that happened. I hope so. I really hope it did. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, uh, I'm kind of glad that they did this. It, it, uh, It, you know, so you're not stuck with tickets. Mm-hmm. And you're not stuck without tickets. 
and yeah. they make sure that they're resold at the same price and all that good stuff. And yeah, it's um, I'm glad they're doing this again. Good. It's um, yes. So hopefully we'll see. Maybe our group will get bigger this year. I highly doubt it. Ah, uh, who knows, right? Yeah. So yeah, there you go. That's um, that's the Gallifrey uh, ticket swap news, and I hope they announce those guests uh, within the next couple of weeks here. I I hope so too because I'll be very excited to see who it is. And and listeners, if you find us at at Gallifrey, because I know at least one day I'm going to be wearing my podcast t shirt. Um, come well. say hi, please. Yeah, come say hi to us. We'll we be... want to meet you guys and. Who knows? Maybe we'll we'll talk to you for a bit and record it, or I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm I'm bringing. We'll I think get mozzarella I'm, sticks. I th- yeah, we could get some mozzarella sticks. They have a little sports bar there. I'm bringing the whole rig with me. Um, it's unavo- unavoidable at this point. <laughs> uh, I thought I would just let you know bring the portable recorder like I did last time, but I feel like you and I will be recording nightly with whoever else is with us, and then I yep. know Mike. And Lauren also want to record from this is where it gets complicated. So we'll yeah. probably just have a crazy recap nights every oh, night. Oh, I can only imagine. And and when he means the whole rig, it literally is. It's an eighteen wheeler. He's going to drive it down. And uh, yep, yep. <laughs> I should I should have gotten a bigger messenger bag. That's all I'll say about it. There you go for sure. <laughs> Um, so Taylor, we are currently in the wilderness year as, uh, we and many other have dubbed it. And, uh, you have some show recommendations to help people get through this horrible, horrible time in our lives. (laughs) I do. Yeah. We, I, let's be honest. I watch a lot of TV and I'm, I'm happy to pick up new shows if, if they prove to be, uh, I don't want to just say worthy. There are a lot of shows that are worthy that I'm not watching, but um, they prove to be interesting to me. And and there are a couple that I really want to recommend. Um, uh, they've either already been out for a little while or they are um, at this point probably nearing the end of their season. But by all means, if you're not watching Killjoys on the Sci-Fi channel, uh, they're in their second season and just knocking it out of the park. It is so good. Yeah, that I you have spoken to me about that show before, and uh, I like I said off air. I am trying to catch up on my wrestling watching, which is a never ending list. But I I try to fit <laughs> shows in every once in a while. Uh, did you have any other shows? Because I have I, I have I, one. I do, I do. I I definitely have one more off the top of my head. Um, I know from like Comic Con and stuff they they were teasing like the second season of the expanse also a sci-fi channel show that I, I highly recommend, but the next season isn't here yet. Um, I got through watching stranger things on Netflix and wow. So good. Yeah. I need to, um... so good. Yeah. I'm probably preaching to the choir. Oh no, I I have not watched it yet though. Right. But I'm thinking of folks in the audience. Oh yeah. Odds are they probably have watched it, but if you haven't totally check it out, it is, so fantastic for only being eight episodes long. I have heard very many great things about the show, and I, I'll get around to it eventually. Uh, the one show I have is actually it's also a sci-fi show, I believe. Oh yeah, which one? Uh, Winona Earp. 
I've seen you talk about that a few times. We uh, reviewed the entire season on our summer season of BAMPOW TV. You can find that over at notlg.com slash BAMPOW TV. Uh, started out kind of rough, but it um, it got a lot, lot better. It is very, very, very good. I suggest any and all people check that out. And I, if you lis- listen to our past shows on BAMPOW TV... I was very critical of the first, I want to say, four episodes. Oh, wow. And it turned around. It is, like, really, really good. It just got picked up for a second season. I am excited for it. And um, Preacher was also very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. That show was was something else. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) That's kind of what I've heard. And I I suppose it's worth mentioning Fear the Walking Dead is... Uh, almost back for the second half of their second season, and then Fear the Walking Dead will start up in October. So, yeah. I'm I'm fans of both of those. Um, so there's always that's that's the joy of modern day TV. There's always always something. Shows. It's not just you know September to May or October to May anymore. Yeah, it's um just shows all the time, and not even just on television. They're on streaming services now too. Exactly. So. There you go. Now, I'll let you take the uh, reins on this next one. It's about our Facebook page. And, um, yeah, go for it. It is, yeah. The the, the other night I I suddenly noticed, like, I'm getting all these Facebook notices, and it's all having to do with our Podcastica page. And I'm like, what is going on? Um, And and so I've got to give a shout-out to uh, listener Cheryl Beckford-Bell. Uh, who let us know via her Facebook or her Facebook page? She was using her Facebook yes. page to comment on our Facebook page. That that's still accurate. Um, that she loves the show and she's actually working her way through all the episodes that she can get her hands on. And and nothing I think made my day more than to hear that to know that yeah you know somebody is tuning in and not just listening from that point forward, but also going back into the archives. And and listening to what we have to say, and not only that, but enjoying it. That's probably the best part. Yes, this. Um, I also got these alerts. Uh, whenever you message us or comment on anything on the Podcastica page, both Taylor and I get alerts. And yep. um, I cannot remember what I was doing at the moment when I got all of the alerts, but I like cl- I closed my phone after I read them and went, "Yeah, this feels pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it? So Cheryl, thank you. And actually, she went back, and I don't have this in the notes. So she said she's going all the way back to the beginning, which all all of our episodes are up on notlg.com. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, every single episode is up there. Um, So what I did, Taylor, Mm -hmm. is I went back today when I was driving to go get dinner. And I listened to the very first Podcastica that you and I co-hosted together. Oh, gosh. Do you remember which one it was? was, That was Robots of Sherwood. Yes, it was. (laughs) It was. Yes, it was. I had to think about that for a second, but that's what it was. Yeah, and I was was listening to it. It sounds a little weird because our technology is... um, Actually, you sound very good. I sound like I'm in a cardboard box or something. Uh, well, you have upgraded the studio since then. So, uh. Yes, we've come a long way since episode three. I believe this is episode 63 or 64. Oh, my God. Is it really? Yeah, I'm about to hit the next episode of... Actually, I think I just hit 90 on um, Tornado Tag Radio. So um, 
Yeah, we're coming up on two years of NOTLG here. It's uh, unbelievable. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, one last note here, and uh, I actually, when you asked me what I'd been up to, I forgot to mention that I went to a wedding on Friday. I was actually in you the did. wedding. And if you go back and listen to our coverage of either last year's Gallifrey or the year before, um, it was actually two of our guest hosts. We had um, Mike, who actually also does a podcast on our network, and uh, Brittany. They got married on uh, Friday, and it was a fantastic time. Hooray. So congratulations to them. And you and you know Mike from... I do. Um, I don't think you've met Brittany. I know I have not. So, you, yeah, we, we all work together. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, congratulations to them. Um, they did. They didn't play it during the reception, but they were playing a lot of themes before um, the civil ceremony. Okay. And um, got to hear that sweet, sweet Doctor Who theme all the way through. Yeah. And right I, on. I also brought my um, Capaldi screwdriver. I saw that. And I may have taken um, pictures with them, um, with the photographer, with the sonic screwdriver. Yes. I gave Britain. I was like, Brittany, I will be your companion because this is your day. So Aww. I gave her the screwdriver. It's, uh, I can't wait to see them. <laughs> that's that's awesome. And ladies, let me just say, John cleans up really well. And I, then you throw mm. a sonic screwdriver in with that. Watch out. That's right, ladies. Watch out because I'll... Um, I'll talk to you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the hell that was. Um, but let me tell you, I loved the Capaldi screwdriver. It was uh, just great to have around, especially when it got dark because it has the different light settings. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of got like a little strobe setting. So I'm just like clicking it twice, walking around. That's awesome. Uh, good times. Very good times. So, Excellent. Taylor, uh-huh. we have a doozy this week. <laughs> Uh, we do. We watched Delta and the Bannerman. It starred Sylvester McCoy as the Doctor, Bonnie Langford as Mel, Don Henderson as Gavrock, and Belinda Maine as Delta. It was yep. written by Malcolm Cole and directed by Chris Cole. So they're Clo. both Cole? Clo. No, no, no. Clo. There Cole, it is. Clo. Yeah, I realized when I was doing pronunciations in the, in, in the show notes, I was like, Clo, C-L-O-E. And I'm like, wait, no, that's going to confuse because that's going to look like Cole. And, um, <laughs> Clo. Let's spell it this way. Yeah, so there you go. That works. It first yeah. aired November 2nd through November 16th, 1987. And we have, oh my goodness, I didn't even we have see how many story notes we had. We do have a lot. My goodness. So um, we'll go, for it. Quickly. go for it. All right. It. So here we go. Our story notes. So the uh, the Navarinos use a transformation arch uh, taking on human appearance. This is as they're trying to get whisked off to uh, Disneyland 1959. And when I noted this, I was like, wait a second. Didn't, didn't the doctor use a transformation arch in human nature, family of blood? But no, that's actually a chameleon arch. Oh. Uh, to turn himself human so i was like oh shoot okay i thought this was like actually a callback to uh this episode and, and that technology uh toward the end of the story the doctor well they said plays with he really just kind of holds it yeah an electric guitar and and for that matter how have we not managed to get a delta in the bannerman reference with capaldi's doctor and his electric guitar 
That uh, is very true. You know, just a little shout. A little shout is all we need. You think he would have mentioned it? Yeah. Now, this next one, John, <laughs> I realize I, I might kind of step on some nerves here. Well, um, do you want me to? I'll, I'll read this. Read go this ahead. Note. Go ahead. So, um, Jer- Jerome uh, Westmuller, who is one of the agents from America, he is wearing a New York Yankees baseball cap and jacket. Um, now, your sub note here, I will actually yes. answer. Uh, no, the Mets were not around in 1959. They were not a baseball team until 1962. So my offense that I took when I first saw the jacket, then I went, oh, wait, they weren't a team there. So there you go, BBC. Good on you to uh, do your research. But it probably should have just you could have bumped it up a couple years, made it the Mets. Yeah, see, there you go. But you know what? By the time by the time they get around to uh, Remembrance of the Daleks in 1963, yeah. there's the Mets, inaugural season. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So little did we know, but now we do, the title, Delta and the Bannerman, is actually um, a play on a name of a popular musical group from the 1980s that some of us may recognize, Echo and the Bunnymen. Yes, they. Um, I believe they are... I mean, not most famous, but I believe they had a song in Donnie Darko that was um, one of their hits. I can't remember what it was called now. They probably did. I've not actually seen Donnie Darko, but knowing Echo and the Bennymen's music, that actually seems like a fitting (laughs) showcase for them. Um, Actually, this episode, Delta and the Bannerman, is where the Doctor's question mark umbrella makes its first appearance. Really? It is. Huh. Yes. And, and interesting. He, he uses it quite well in this episode, I'd say. Uh, the name of that song was The Killing Moon, by the way. Oh, yes, of course. Okay, okay. Yeah. I know that song. <laughs> um, on several occasions. Oh, no. Were you going to say something? I was going to say I I love the question mark umbrella. I just think it is one too. of the the best things in classic who. So go ahead. I'm Definitely. sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I wholeheartedly agree. That's quite all right. Um, on several occasions in this story, the doctors heard mangling earth idioms. Uh, this aspect of the doctor's personality was mostly abandoned after the story. Huh. Okay. And what's funny is because I, having watched it just last night, I don't really remember him doing that much at all. I honestly don't either. I think there was just so much crazy things going on that I there that was, was a like, lot going on. Not something I noticed. No, but I actually, I kind of think that would be really kind of funny to see in a doctor where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not the brightest tool in the shed or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> the brightest shed. Right? Yeah. Um, let's see. Where was I? Sorry, we've got some long ones here. Oh, oh, at the time this episode was produced, Bonnie Langford was considering leaving the show midway through the season and Ray was intended to be the replacement. Oh. Uh, Ray would have been the companion. Think about that for a second. Oh, man. I know, right? No, no, no. It gets better. It gets better. Langford ultimately chose to say for the complete season, uh, and the idea of having Ray join the TARDIS crew was dropped. Now, elements of the character later inspired the creation of Ace, um, and coincidentally, Sophie Aldred auditioned for the role of Ray. What? She didn't get the part, but obviously later became Ace. Oh, I guess it's not all bad then. No. But I really, that... really enjoyed Ray. Like I did too. Immensely. I did too. No, she's she's great. 
And it just think of this weird alternate universe where Ray had become the companion and Sophie Aldred was cast. That's so her. strange. That would have been so Wouldn't that just be the weirdest? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, we'll talk more about Ray in a little bit here. Um so the majestic holiday camp on Barry Island, South Glamorgan, Wales, um, which obviously was Shangri-La. Um, yes. Now, the holiday camp itself no longer exists. The area has since been redeveloped into a housing state, but Barry Island was actually the filming location for parts of the Ninth Doctor stories, The Empty Child and the Doctor Dances. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Huh. So there we go. There's our... Our, our show or our story notes that hopefully I got through with relative ease. Yes, you did. And now, as always, dun, dun, dun. it is time for your world famous synopsis. <laughs> oh, and this is a doozy of a synopsis because there is just so much to cover. So the doctor and Mel join a bus full of people headed for Disneyland only to end up in Wales. Sad trombone. Womp womp. Thank you. Amongst them is another last of her species types who seduces a local because he's got a sweet motorbike, man. Baby mama drama ensues as Gavrock and his Bosazoku biker gang of the Bannermen show up to wreak havoc and eat raw meat. Yep, that, um, <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. Doesn't it? Well, join us next week when... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, my go. goodness. Um, yeah. Wow, I separated my notes very, very far. Have we seen this open before? I don't think where, we've seen this open. Where there's people shoot. Oh no, you mean the you mean the actual credits? Yes, the, there it is, just full of graphics. Well, yeah, we have with any Seventh Doctor uh, episode. It never changed. It was always this one. I'm pretty sure it's always been the same. I don't think they ever did it differently. Huh? Because we've been uh, we've been taking our little tour here, so I might have forgotten. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, did it have lots of graphics in it? I'll tell Isn't you that great? much. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites, bar none. I I feel like at some point there are like things that are supposed to be like meteorites or asteroids, kind of yeah, floating. Uh, they they come tumbling through. They become the letters W H O. They become who? Oh, the eighties. Yeah. I know. So yeah, we start off in the middle of a war, which I'm we have seen so many a time. And and in a rock quarry somewhere, no less. Yes, which is like they must own that rock quarry by now. They have to. You you would think the BBC would just be like, you know what, we're just gonna buy this quarry and we'll keep it running most of the time. But you know, every now and then we need to shoot a show, so we'll stop production and you know yeah. shoot a show, and then we can go back and get coal or or whatever they do in England. Yes. So it, it the the quarry reminds me of when you take the Universal Studios in Hollywood tour and they have that giant pool. Okay. Where they filmed like parts of Jaws and then they film like some other oh, stuff in there. They just sure, sure. they use it for different things like since the like 50s or whatever. It just mm-hmm. that is their version is this quarry. I I think that's exactly right. <laughs> And um, this music, the the music throughout this entire episode just seemed wildly inappropriate for some of the scenes. Uh, yeah, some of the musical choices were a little, yeah, a little inappropriate and then really appropriate because it was actual music from the 50s. And then it was like music inspired by the 50s. Yes. But we're in a chase scene, so it, it kind was... of works in doesn't yeah it was very very strange i also um 
like it was uh, like you said the music seemed very inappropriate especially in this battle when um a green army man guy yes. kind of like explodes on the ground and like there's just <laughs> dead bodies everywhere and we got this up tempo music going on and we're i i believe we're following um i cannot we're, we're following what are the names of the actual like race? What is their name? The net. Oh, they 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 Navarinos? No. Oh no, no that's no, no. the the shimmer. Uh, the shimmer. Yes. So yeah. we're following Delta and a injured, well, soon to be injured Shimmeron. <laughs> um, Showing no bullet wound whatsoever. But no. We'll get- <laughs> no. Um, they get to this spaceship, and yeah, it's just like he, he army dude gets shot. Like, he looks like a full-life green army man. He totally does. I laughed so hard. And then the, was... the other guys, I really don't know what to... They are just dressed in all black, and they look kind of like... Bannerman. Yeah, they just look kind of, like, dirty and stuff. I, You know what? I actually... I I meant to look up last night, but reasons. Um, if anybody had ever done a Bannerman cosplay... I would hope so. Be- be, well, I would hope so, too, because I was going to bring it up later, but a number of the Bannermen have these, like, red, I don't know, they kind of look little a little goggly like, things. A little goggly things, a little Jordy LaForge visor kind of things. Or I, Cyclops from the X-Men. Oh, yes, or thank you, Cyclops <laughs> from the X-Men. No, you're absolutely right there. The funny thing is, being... What is this? 1987 when this was produced. I remember having a pair of those glasses. Really? They're not sunglasses. They're right because if you look at them, they're not tinted. Yeah. Are they They for the goggles for the water? No, no, they're not even swim goggles. They literally were like like the lens of it or the lenses of it um, was basically uh, like prismatic. So everything looks like rainbow colored. Huh. As you're as you're wearing it, and I just have this very clear memory of having a pair of those. I don't think they were red, um, but yeah, it made everything look horribly weird. But it was an incredibly '80s thing to have, um, <laughs> and so to see these guys wearing them with you know basically their uh, you know MOT approved you know motorbike helmets and uh, uh, you know PVC pipe banner yeah. attachments that they're running around with because <laughs> that really makes you more stealthy. It's like, oh, look, yeah. there's a flag. Aim for the flag. Yes, the giant flag hanging that. off your back. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, lo- I love those glasses. Every time I saw somebody wearing them, I'm like, that's got to really hurt your eyes if you're acting all day in those. Oh, I bet, yeah. Right? Um, so I feel like this this uh, spaceship takes off. There was just a whole bunch happening. One of my notes, of course, as usually is in classic who is what is happening and then i remind myself just let it breathe and you'll get there (laughs) (laughs) indeed um the the doctor they land on this it looks like a helicarrier kind of thing the doctor and (laughs) mel now um this is my first mel story yes and uh, just i guess just off the bat um i really enjoyed mel she didn't seem like some companions where it's like what do you mean, doctor? What's this thing? What's a customer? I don't know. What are colors? Um, <laughs> she she seemed to have her head on straight, and she seemed to be you very mean, very she helpful. Seem like Terry. Well, I mean, you said it. I didn't. Okay, fine. Doctor. <laughs> um, 
No, she's she was very. I really really enjoyed her. It, um, she seemed to be very very helpful, and yeah, I just yeah liked her. I, a lot. I I will absolutely agree with you there. I feel like my recollection of her as a companion because I haven't watched a Mel story in I would easily say more than fifteen years. Oh wow! It may almost be twenty. But I'll say at least more than 15. It's maybe that long since I've watched a story with Mel in it. Mm-hmm. Um, she, is, she is actually a much stronger character than I remember her. Yes. Because but... honestly, I remember her being kind of whiny and not really all that, um, you know, do-it-yourself helpful uh, words it, are failing me now kind it, of person. Yes. And the, the other thing is she is faced with some weird things happening during this uh, during these episodes and she just kind of takes it in stride and is like all right let's um take your weird cthulhu looking baby and (laughs) we'll take it to um take it to this i don't know whatever we'll do it it's fine you seem nice Uh (laughs) well yeah but you know what in in that same way and and i think almost in that same uh scene i feel like i see future echoes of Rose. Uh, a lot of that, oh. it'll be okay. The doctor can help. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll protect you, we'll help you out, whatever. Um, and having only, you know, recently reviewed some of the episodes with her in them, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I see that parallel. I see um, those same mannerisms and stuff. So, yeah, I, I will say that I... I see Mel in a much different light having reviewed this episode. Yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed her. I want to watch more. How long was she around? Was she around just for the season? No, she she was around for a bit of the end of the Six Doctors run. Oh. Yeah. She she came in after Perry. I think actually it was right after Perry. I'd have to double check that. Okay. Um and then was around for for basically one full season of uh, Sylvester McCoy, uh, and then in the very next story, the one after this, Dragonfire, that's where she leaves and Ace comes on. Oh, all right, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, there you so go. We now go I got to... we can totally revisit some uh, some Six and Mel. I would be very down to do that. All right. So McCoy and Mel they land on this. I don't know what they land on, but they've won a prize, and Mel's never it's won good. anything in her entire life, apparently. And they're the 10 billionth customer. And yeah. uh, this man that greets them, the Tollmaster. Oh, God, yes. Oh, boy, what a character. Yeah. <laughs> this man, yeah. Um, he... He's sparkly. He is very sparkly. He was wearing, like, a purple and white, like, tuxedo, it looked like. And he had mm-hmm. a top hat, too, I believe. It, no, it was more of a... Um... Gosh, it wasn't quite a top hat. It was more of almost like a... a it wasn't a bowler, was it? Looking, no, it was almost more like a snazzy-looking bus driver's hat. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And um, so they've, they've won the prize, and we find out... And I actually really love this idea because... I, you know what? I almost wish the doctor wasn't on board with it. Because yeah. he kind of seemed like, yeah, all right, let's, do, let's go to 1950... Was it 1959? Yeah, 1959. Let's go to 1959. Let's go to Disneyland. Um, I feel like he would not... I almost feel like even the Time Lords back then would not allow this technology, right? 
Uh, what the going to Disneyland or the going, traveling through time by another species? The traveling through time, Taylor. Oh, okay, everyone okay. should be allowed to go to Disneyland. I, okay, fine. Um, I you know it's funny because throughout Doctor Who, I feel like we have this kind of image of like you know the Time Lords obviously being kind of like the controllers uh, or lords at the very least of time. Yes. And yet we have the Daleks doing some time travel things and we have, you know, other cultures doing this. And now here's like, hey, let's uh, let's take these secret scenic alien tours. Well, but I almost feel like this is a this is a company that has clearly had many a customer. I feel like when the Daleks, they do stuff, they're not like, let's tell everyone we're traveling through time. Um, right. So I kind of feel like this is more of like a we should shut this down because they could screw up some timelines going from place to place. You, yeah, you would think you would think that the doctor would be way less on board with this. Like, all right, sure, let's, yeah, uh, let's go get ourselves some Mickey Mousers with our names embroidered in them. <laughs> so he just puts Mel on the bus, and I also really enjoyed. I'm jumping a little bit ahead because that's okay. There were some bad cuts. Oh boy. Oh, there were. There was a really bad cut here and then we cut to the new characters, but before we get to the new characters, I really did enjoy and you had mentioned it was your first sh- uh show note was the uh transformation arc. I loved how that looked. Yes. I thought that was very clever how they did that. It was, and and for the special effects of the 80s, I think they did a really good job with it. Yes. So we meet the agents. We meet Agent Hawk and uh, Wes Mueller. They are somewhere. Are they in Wales? They're in Wales. They are in Wales, yes. And uh, fun fact, both these actors, born in America. It wasn't British folk doing American accents. It, wow. It was not. The... Um, Wes Mueller was a comedian. I think he was act- he was born in New York or in that area. Um, I'm not sure where Agent Hawk was born, but I I'm pretty sure the accents they had were their legitimate accents. Nice. Yeah. So th- I thought that was pretty cool because I was like, oh, here's some guys doing some accents, and then I went, oh, right. never mind. We've had our fair share of those folks. Um, I really enjoyed them overall. Um, yeah. I thought there were some bits they did a little later on that I thought were pretty funny. I thought um, Wes Mueller in general was pretty funny. And, yeah, I enjoyed these side characters. I feel like I got a really strong kind of Abbott and Costello vibe. Yes. One was a little goofier. One was a little straighter. One was skinny. One was chubby. Yes. You know, it just kind of played into that whole trope. Um, But, yeah, they, they they were great characters. And they are sent by uh, the U.S. government to retrieve a satellite, or at least to locate one. Yeah, what what the U.S. was doing um, was, I mean, this is 1959. This is two years after Sputnik, which is the very first satellite ever. Yeah. And the Soviets got it into the sky. Um, uh, and so what the Americans are doing is they're, they're launching what, in, at least in terms of the show, looks like their version of Sputnik. It's a ball. It's got four antenna coming off the back end of it. And they're supposed to, Weissmuller and Hark are supposed to like listen for its signal. Yeah. To either make sure it's in orbit or to uh, check its speed or I don't know, top off the oil, something weird like that. <laughs> uh, and then 
obviously they can't because well something happens to it yeah uh, and hilarity ensues so we we go back and uh, the bus is being loaded with all the passengers to go to 1959 to go to Disneyland and the doctor yeah. just shoves Mel on the bus and goes I'll follow you in the TARDIS uh, <laughs> right. so and this became one of my favorite scenes mainly just because of one one part so the the uh, bus is traveling through time and basically their only direction they're given now remember we're in 1959 that's literally the only direction they're giving they're not briefed <laughs> on anything just like don't say you're from the future um yeah so as they're traveling and singing 50s songs they right. hit the satellite head on head on applied directly to the forehead <laughs> um if anyone gets that joke there you Kudos, go that's a good one. um <laughs> so there is a scene when so the it gets hit by the they hit the satellite and it goes to the tardis console and the doctor this is my favorite thing ever and i don't know why i saw it and i went this is fantastic the <laughs> so he he needs to he explains later because he needs to save them because they're going out of control. It's yeah. the anti-gravity spiral is what he used. And for mm -hmm. him to activate the anti-gravity spiral, it requires him to put his foot on one part of the console and then press another button way over yonder with his umbrella. Um, yep. I, all while sparks are going off in his face, mind you. Um, yes. I was so happy. I was, this is the greatest. This is so great because I, I bet you they, the direction was, and you press a couple of buttons, just press a couple of buttons and some stuff will go off. And you know, he's like, I'm going to make this as ridiculous as possible. He might have, he might have. And, and let's not, let's not pass this moment and, and forget to pay respects to our awesome driver, of the bus, Murray, and the expression oh, on his face. I absolutely loved Murray. Murray is fantastic. He was very good character. I li I liked him a lot. And I also, like, this whole little scene was great because we see the sign that I believe just says Shangri-La, and mm -hmm. the bus, like, crashes. Like, it's like the, the signs in the background and the bus, like, you only see, like, I want to say the wheel. Yeah. And like maybe a little bit of the front end. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. And it's like crushes yeah. their entire like garden kind of. It, it, it was it was great. They must have like had it up on a little bit of a crane and just, you know, dropped it from like a foot above the camera because that thing just it's like, eh, don't worry about the suspension. Just wham. Yeah. Oh. And I love speaking of the bus. I love that the whole the back end just kind of folds up and here's these i mean obviously they're just you know 10 bright lights yes these from fireball engine <laughs> yes the fireball <laughs> engine oh my god i did that whole effect it was a little cheesy but i love it and uh so the the bus lands and mm -hmm. so we're at shangri-la instead of disneyland which is very far off and i believe well i don't believe we're in wales instead of uh anaheim so, exactly so now we meet the I, I guess he is the owner and operator of shangri-la burton yes and his fabulous jacket is he had that jacket was just amazing wasn't it and i love 
that he always asked, does anyone have any questions? Good. It was like immediately nobody had any questions. Mm -hmm. Like he would just be Mm -hmm. like, forget it, let's go. So he's like showing people around. Well, he comes up, he's just very, very nice man. He comes up and he goes, oh, are you guys from this? And I think they actually say the bus just broke down, so could we just stay here? Yes. I think he might assume that there's someone else. But they don't, like, lie to him. They just say, hey, the bus broke down. Can we stay here? And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. You guys can stay here for the night. Um, Mm -hmm. And while he's showing a bunch of people around, we... um, I found I found it very funny that we're just very lax with showing humans um, from 1959 all of this future tech. Right? (laughs) It's crazy. And how, like, Billy. Yes. The mechanic, right? It's like, oh, yeah, no, this... Here's this, you know, navy pod, and you know we need to pull this busted crystal out and put a new crystal in. It's like, well, wait a second. He's just rolling with. It. He's like, all right, yeah, sure. Yeah. Pull that me. Yeah. Sure, I, you got a ten millimeter wrench. Let's do it. I was just very confused as to why it's just like don't don't show the humans the future tech. Like that seems like a bad idea. You would think. Uh, and but, I, yeah, but I guess not, right? Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed. Uh, we get the introduction of Ray. Yes. And I th- think she comes up and they're trying to figure out how to get the um get something out of the engine and I want to say the driver says, "Oh, well, I mean, if you if you, you know, you could help us if you have a 1 in 5 8 socket wrench." Ha ha. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. Here it is. She just oh. pulls it out. She's like, "Yeah, how about that, buddy?" Exactly. And and her incredibly Welsh accent. Oh, I loved it. Did I did too, but there there were there were times where I'm like, oh my god, she almost she almost sounds East Indian. Yeah, there were uh, there were a couple a of times. Bit. Yeah, but then there are um, there are other times when um, I I feel like I hear her sound like uh, Eve Miles, uh, who is both Gwen on Torchwood and I can't remember her name from the Undead Quiet or the Quiet. That ninth Doctor story, whose name I clearly can't remember at the moment. Oh, I can't, I can't remember that one either. But yeah, yeah. The un- I- yeah. Wait, damn, that's going to niggle at me now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, did you when when we find out that we need the new crystal, and the Doctor's like, "Oh yeah, I probably got one of those," and he goes into the TARDIS. He's like, "Here's the new crystal." You knew that thing was breaking, right? Yeah, I knew immediately. I'm like, this this guy's gonna fumble it and it's gonna break. But it was it was literally like he just gives it to him and then he's like, oh, I broke it. Uh oh. <laughs> so womp. yeah, womp womp. And then the doctor goes, all right, that's fine. Uh, I can have a new one. I can do some wibbly wobbly stuff to the TARDIS, and we can have a new one in 24 hours. Yep. Um, Throw you one. And I feel like there is, oh, no, there is another cut coming up, but I want to talk about the scene when they're in, like, the mess hall for lunch. Yes. And that kid just hands the doctor an apple. Mm-hmm. And the doctor tries to eat the apple, like, 20 times. Like, every time he goes to bite into the apple, someone asks him a question or he needs to, yeah, he just needs to answer it. He never gets to eat this apple, and I just feel very bad for him. Yeah. And I think this is also around the time we get the Mel Delta scene where does she pulls the gun, I feel, right? She pulls the yes. gun out. They're in their like little um They're in their, hotel their bungalow. little bungalow thing, yeah. 
And yeah, so I think she, I think Mel goes and tells the doctor like, "Hey, this girl's got a gun, but I think she's cool, so we don't really have to worry about it." Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, "Okay." And then my, <laughs> I'm here to remind you all about the get to know you dance. Cut. We're at the dance. <laughs> <laughs> It was so awkward. I, I I was like, no, why? They were trying very hard to cram as much into this first episode as they could. It it was like somebody else had already told us that there was a dance that night. I don't think we needed him to say that line just to get to the dance like immediately. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That was uh. That was pretty weird. Um. Billy, the mechanic, is in love with Delta and not Ray. That was fast. That was really fast. And and Ray is very upset about it because her and Billy have been like pals forever and she's like in love with him and he just kind of seems like a big dumb idiot. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> for reasons we'll get to a little later. <laughs> um, definitely. And well, Ray, nope. Ray's sad and runs off, right? She runs off and she, she, oh no, before that, um, like Billy is like, I'm going to sing this song to a very special someone. And Ray's like, oh, it's me. But she, he looks at Delta and yes. she goes to run away. And the doctor says, I think he's just going to be like, Hey, don't, don't worry about it. And he's like, Ray, hold, and she goes, yes, I'd love to dance. And then they start dancing. That's right. Which that's is also right. there are a lot of funny bits in this, um, which well, I and that's what that's one of the great things about uh, Sylvester McCoy's Doctor is that um, you know his his comedic sense is really good and at times really subtle. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, he chases after her. She's in. I bo- I couldn't write the name down. It was the laundry. The laundry store. That was the name of the room they were in. It wasn't the laundry room. It was the laundry store. Um, <laughs> all right. And where they store the laundry. Yes. And she's yeah. in there crying. And the doctor's like, "Hey, there's you know, there's like plenty of fish in the galaxy or something. Don't worry about it." Please stop crying. And we throughout this, there's someone that gets on the bus who looks like a bad, like Elvis impersonator. And he's kind of, we get shots of him every once in a while, like just kind of side eye and people and looking kind of slimy. Yeah. We come to find out that he is, is it Kellier? Kellier. Kellier. I think so. I know he's he's basically a bounty hunter. Yeah, so he's a bounty hunter who has been hired by the Delta Men, or um, yeah, he's no, been the Banner Men by the, the Banner, Banner Men, Man. not the Delta Men. Oh my goodness, that's something else. So he has been hired by the Banner Men to find Delta and either kill her or wait till they get there to kill her. They just really want to kill her and whatever they else do. she has with her. She has like this little lunchbox with her. With shimmery cellophane inside. Yes, it's very shiny. And actually, when it when she opens it at one point, it looks like Epcot Center from Disney World. So it would have fit oh, there right. There you go. It would have fit right in if they had gotten kind of to their destination. Well, I was kind of thinking it looked a little bit more like Jiffy Pop. That too. And technically, but... at around this time, when we're back at the um, the bungalow, Mel and yep. Delta are just they're talking and. Um, Delta says, there's something I have to tell you. And then this freaking egg, I guess it's an egg, hatches yeah. 
and Cthulhu comes out of this egg, and it is just like the most disgusting thing I have ever seen. It it is imagine you know how like you go to like I don't know like Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk and you can get like a like a six pound gummy bear, yes, you know, a foot and a half tall. <laughs> okay, imagine the grossest, most goopy covered looking jelly baby. Like it's like the half melted. Ever get? It's half melted. Half melted, exactly. And just gross looking. It's just oh, gross. A gross. And Mel just lets out this fantastic scream. Oh yes, naturally. Naturally, because this thing is disgusting. Um, and the doctor and Ray are cornered because uh, this dude loves to kill. He kills because he enjoys it. Yes. And he gives them. He gives um, Gavrock the coordinates. And that's the end of part one. And part two just opens up <laughs> with Gavrock like, well, let's blow that dude up. So they blow up the bounty hunter. Yes. Which I was like, wait, what? <laughs> this is crazy. He had a faulty uh, battery in his flip phone there. And there's just so much stuff happening. Because we, as we do with, with Classic Who, we, we have a lot of time to fill. But we also have a lot of characters. And oh my goodness, there is, yes. um, I believe Billy just kind of, he just, he doesn't even knock when going to the bungalow. He just no. opens the door, which isn't locked. And, um, I think Mel might be sleeping at this point. I think. I, I don't. Oh no, she's she, just standing I, there kind of. She was sleeping that's earlier. Right. That's right. Yes, 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 yes. And I've got a note here. Um, and it's, <laughs> this is, I'm sorry, this is going to sound horrible being spoken by, you know, an old white guy like me, but okay. So you walk in on Bay only to find out she actually baby mama from space. <laughs> um, when he walks he just, in and she's and, like, and we like, need to talk. <laughs> right. Suddenly Dr. Who turns into that after school special. Yeah. And she's just holding this horrible green blob baby and he just kind of like, he takes it in stride. He's just... He takes it in such stride that I'm like, you can't be remotely human. <laughs> no, like he's just like, all right, I met you like two hours ago and you have this green blob baby, but I love you. So <laughs> let's let's do this. Let's do whatever. Your baby looks like it's two now. That's weird, but I still love you. It's also green kind of. This is strange. But... but... Isn't isn't that just a perfect, you know, baby shimmer and cosplay for a new parent who's into Doctor Who? <laughs> yes. How has no one done that? Well, I'm sure I don't know. I'll look we'll look it up later and see if they uh if they have. And then we uh we rejoin our agents and they meet up with um I believe it's Gonry? Uh Go sure. Gonry? This old beekeeping man. Um and they're just like, hey, man, have you seen any weird stuff in the sky? And he's like, I don't know, maybe a couple of days ago. And then they're like, cool, but like more recently. And he's like, I shall ask my bees. And they're like, cool, uh, we got to go. Uh, totally. <laughs> which is just like I, the weirdest I, introduction of a character ever. It completely is. And it makes him sound just so far out there because I think he – oh, I see all sorts of weird things in the sky and sometimes the aurora. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, really? Does the aurora borealis ever get as far south as <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it has maybe once or twice in history. 
but that far south, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's just like this guy is just off his rocker completely. There's something very well, wrong with him. Too much pollen. I guess. <laughs> and then uh, we we uh, find out, I believe at this point, the doctor. And you know what? This was, I thought this was g- great because the doctor finds uh, the bus driver and says, hey, this stuff's happening. And he's like, all right, let's get everybody together. So he gets mm-hmm. everybody together. He goes back to the bus. Uh, we get the crystal in the punch bowl, which was uh, <laughs> pretty funny. He's like, it's that, almost done. You know, I got to say the way that the crystal in the punch bowl rolls off the tongue. I might almost vote for that for our alternate title this week. Well, there you go. Like and that. the doctor says, I have to go tell the guy in charge. And I, <laughs> they, I like that they, they didn't do like the doctor comes in and explains to him. This was a good cut. We cut to mm-hmm. Burton explaining to the doctor what he just told him, and I thought it was oh, like yes. amazing. I thought it was yeah. so good, and yeah, that, that was well done. He's just like, he's just like, how do I, how do I prove to you? And he's like, oh, I'll take you to the TARDIS. So come on, let's go to the TARDIS. And I think that he's with Ray still. So yeah, he's still yes. with Ray. So they both go to the TARDIS, and then we cut back to the green baby is now a green child. Yep. Uh, this child is growing at a rapid rate and also talks like a parakeet. Um, that was a very weird sound effect thing. Yeah, I don't know that I'd say parakeet. I mean, unless you shoved that parakeet, physically <laughs> shoved that parakeet through a synthesizer. Yeah, it sounded, it was just very, a very strange sound. And I guess the explanation was we were given was it's either singing or it's like a warning yeah. Okay. So she's basically a walking car alarm. Yes, basically. We'll just go off whenever, and then you just got to wait. Yep. Motorcycle rolls by. Off she goes. I also enjoy that these agents are supposed to be looking for the satellite. Like, they're supposed to be, like, looking up in the sky, and, and one of them's just, like, listening to the radio, and they're really just they're not doing that at all. Well, and let's, let's, let's point out, one, it's daytime. Yes. They're looking for a satellite with a spyglass, <laughs> not a telescope. They're yeah. not waiting for nighttime. But I think the radio they've got, they're actually trying to tune to the frequency that whatever the satellite is supposed to be giving off. And he, I think he says, all I can find is this radio station. And he's just right. To like some... Exactly. And he, he's, he's getting frustrated. He's like, screw it. I'm going to listen to voice of America or, you know, BBC or, one or yeah. Whatever. He'd rather listen to that than to him talk. I think is one of yes, the lines. That's right. That's right. And the bannermen at this point, they have locked on to the signal and they land their giant flying tank, <laughs> um, right by our agents. And I love that they're like, we should go. But then they, the bannermen kind of, my favorite line is, where is he? Your Uncle Sam. I thought that right. was so funny because they oh blow up one of their, I think they blow up the thing they're trying to find the signal, the satellite on. Yeah. They and they go, hey, radio. that belongs to Uncle Sam. <laughs> where is he? Your Uncle Sam. I did find it very weird that uh, Gavrock did not kill them. No, because you would think. Well, these guys are wasted. And Gavrock, let's give him some credit here. He's got some pretty evil-looking eyebrows. Oh, yes, he does. He stares Doesn't at them I? for a good while and then just says, all right, you two watch him. We got to go somewhere else, which I thought was very strange. Why not just kill them? 
Yeah. Especially with um, what's coming up, which is just, like, ridiculous. Um, well, yeah. Now, I have to admit, we were talking about music earlier. This, like, evacuation sequence has got some really jazzy evacuation music. Yes. I, I mean, I don't know if it fit or not. I, I don't know. I'm I'm still out on that. I'm not sure. Like it, it kind of was. It had a little paranoid feeling to it because obviously the the bannermen are here, and everybody that knows about the bannermen are like, "Well, we uh, yeah, we gotta we gotta go. We gotta get out yep. of here." And around this time, uh, I believe the doctor has shown Ray and Burton the TARDIS, and they're like, "All right, we're on board. Let's get everybody out." Right. And Burton, a very good leader, I thought. He did very well. You can tell this was a guy who, you know, probably saw action in World War II. Yeah. Because it was only, what, you know, 13, 14 years prior Mm -hmm. to this, maybe 15. And, you know, he kind of rallies his troops and gets them on board. It's like, look, we got to do this. Uh, somebody from the Ministry of Defense is here, and we got to do this. Don't question me. And that one guy wants to stay, and he says, mm-hmm. "No, you're you're leaving. You guys are leaving. Get all the staff. Get out of here." Yeah, exactly. Which is like, I in all the times I'm like, that is probably one of the least like pushback things <laughs> that has ever happened on Doctor. Who. He's just like, "You guys have to leave." Well, I want to stay here, and then it's not like, "Well, that's very commendable. You shall stay." It's like no, get out of here. Ministry exactly. of Defense leave. Uh so we we load everybody into the bus, we got the crystal going, we say our goodbyes, and then a rocket explodes the bus, killing our favorite bus driver and all of the passengers on board. Holy crap, that Just seemed unnecessary. They're completely very much a well. There goes a bus full of people. <laughs> yes, they just like destroy. Yeah, I... there's there's not even there's not even bus parts like landing on the ground. It is just gone. No, it is evaporated. It is completely blown to bejesus and back. And I just, I mean, let's counteract this next moment of you know, oh my god, an entire bus full of people has just been completely obliterated and here's the bannerman war hiss oh yes oh my god (laughs) oh my god i forgot about that oh it just was like it was it was like the director's like okay guys guys come on everybody everybody get together come on stand stand stop moving stand together come on come on okay now when i say action i want you guys just to you know look angry and, and like hiss like you're a bunch of i don't know angry snakes come on do it action and I believe that's also the picture that is on the um, Wikipedia page is I, all of them doing the hiss thing. I will have to go look for that because I want that picture of them to be our cover art for this episode. Oh, it so will. Badly. Oh, it will be so badly. Um, so I have a note here about the bees and I my note is, oh, my God, the bees are actually a thing. Um, which I'm not exactly sure. I feel like, is it during this entire thing that we're trying to find Billy and Delta and the green baby? Cause they're kind of yes. doing like a tour. They're like on picnics and stuff. I don't know what yeah, is going on. They, yeah. They, they rode off on 
what I have to admit for somebody who's not really into motorcycles, a pretty sweet looking motorcycle. Yes, um, with the sidecar. Oh man, that Very sidecar nice. is just gorgeous. Um, yeah, they they rode off, you know, down by a river or down by a lake or something to kind of sit and chill and have a picnic and watch, you know, watch the green baby vape. Which I totally thought this one was for a second. I'm like, oh no, that's right, that's right. He's she's getting fed, you know, basically, you know, the analogy being the royal jelly that they were talking about with the bees. Yes, um, you know, through like a little feeding syringe, which was nope. just so awkward. She's not ready for a spoon yet. She's eight. Nope, she's not ready for a spoon yet. She's I still 13. have to feed. It's it's like those people who breastfeed their kids into their like you know. Formative years. Ugh, yuck. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they they kind of hide out at this um this this bee factory, and that dude is just like, you know, we'll get back to him before before. Yeah, we'll we will. T- we'll talk to him. Um, my, the image because the doctor says, you know what, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go end this right now. Um, yep. And he he asks, um. The beekeeper, beekeeper, he says, I need a pole and a bed sheet. Basically. And then he borrows the motorcycle. He goes to where Gavrock is sitting in a rocking chair and just eating a raw piece of chicken. Yeah. Um, I was laughing so hard. Because, first of all, that is poor placement to put a rocking chair, sir. I know. At, a, at the top of the stairs? That's yeah. asking for a fall. That is, uh, yeah. You're just asking to get, that's just dangerous. And I got to say, Gavrock does not, I mean, watching him eat does not strike me as somebody who probably brushes his teeth all that often. Oh, I, yes, 100% agree. Um, do you think that actor, they gave him the raw piece of chicken, and I don't, I don't think I would have eaten it. Oh, no way would I have. Um, I, I, and I, and I watched that whole scene going, I'm like, okay, that, that really, really looks raw. I mean, he can't yeah. just be gnawing on that. No. And he's, he's totally not on that. Like, yeah. I can't imagine this. Like, okay, we're just going to cook. We're going to like braise the backside. You can't see it from the camera. Yeah, maybe. And the rest will just be raw. I don't know. I, I saw no notes about that whatsoever, but it really looked like he's just like, all right. Yeah. You know, here's, you know, yeah. here's half a chicken. I'm just going to gnaw on it. Ugh. Um, so the white flag, they're, they're firing on on the doctor, and the doctor is just a he is in a fury during this scene, which I love. Oh, I thought he was so, so good. good in this scene, and so good. He's like, "You're not supposed to be doing this. I'm. This is it, man. You're done. Uh, I'm gonna take my two friends here, and we're leaving, and you're done." And they just walk. They walk like towards the motorcycle, and then you hear all the guns kind of cock back, and he goes, "Actually." Mm-hmm. I might have gone a little too far. Which I think is the best <laughs> ending of an episode ever. Yes, it was fantastic. It's so good. And and that's one of the things I love the most about Seven is his ability just to kind of like kind of go off into that fury place. Do you know? Just, ugh, just kind of angry and passionate. And, yes. Yeah. And kind of if we're going along the theme that we were supposed to be going to Disneyland, this is a very Donald Ducky scene where he kind of goes up to wow. him and he's like, what are you doing? You're crazy. You can't do this. You can't take my friends and blow up a bus. You're crazy. I'm going to leave. And then something like happens and it's like, uh oh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
John, I have this vision in my head, and if somebody who's listening is artful enough to make this a reality, I, I don't know. I, I, I will do some great active things, but I just want to see someone draw Gavrock in a rocking chair, and then Donald Duck <laughs> being all angry and flying off the handle, you know, limbs going in every which direction, but dressed as the Seventh Doctor. <laughs> I just, I want to see that in reality. That would be great. That would be beautiful. I'll, somebody, please. Please. Figure that out. Because <laughs> I can't draw. Now, we, we open part three with, you know, um, I, I think I've gone a bit too far, but then mm-hmm. they let them leave anyway? Apparently. And um, Gavrock, which um, is very similar to Davros, um which is uh, throwing me off okay. a little bit. Yeah, just, I'll give you that. Just for me. He fires a flare-up in the air, and um, the other two bannermen who are with our agents, they're mm-hmm. like, all right, cool, stand up, and they put them in these like this weird shackle thing. Yeah. And they go, where are we going? And he goes, I don't know. I guess it's better than just sitting around. And they put the shackles on them, and then one of them says to the other one, Let, let's try sitting down again. <laughs> Because <laughs> they realize they're not actually going anywhere. They're just, here you go. Just, All right, see you later. They're like, well, we might as well sit down again, I guess. And the beekeeper, he is just so strange. Like, they, these people come to his house, and he's like, hey, can these people stay with you? He's like, absolutely. Hey, can <laughs> we borrow some of the? Sure, why not? And he's just so like, whatever. I talk to bees all day. I don't know how to interact with humans. Pretty much. He is the, you know, socially awkward internet commenter of his era. Yes. And he, he talks to bees he and ta- he has vintages. Yes. Oh, here's a 1932. It was this really hot summer and these were in bloom. And I'm like, wow, you <laughs> probably sound like everybody who works in a winery around where I live. <laughs> Very true. Um, <laughs> so... Billy is, uh, he's stealing some of this, uh, royal juice here. (laughs) He's just stealing stuff now. He is. And I'm like, all right, what's this dude up to? He's just stealing, stealing stuff. I don't understand. Yeah. And looks like the Bannermen at this point have found the TARDIS and they put some little booby trap on it. Yeah. And I gotta say that, um, at one point, one of the Bannermen pulls out basically, I don't know, uh, set a fancy set of binoculars or, or a crazy looking spyglass that's got like two handles got yes. like handlebars on it i really liked that the, i also enjoyed that was their just a weapons neat piece of design yes their weapons were very odd especially at one point when he calls for the snipers and they're not looking down a sight or anything mm-hmm. <laughs> which i was like i don't think those are snipers but i it, guess it works those crazy prism glasses they're wearing oh yes maybe they got some technology in there i didn't think about that who knows? Hmm. And I, you know what? If we can jump back to our agents just for a second. Of course. Um, I think it's Hawk who says, because they, they're, they're, I think they're still trying to figure out who the Bannermen are. Yes. And, and he goes, well, whoever they are, I plan to get even. And I'm like, oh, isn't that just the American way? <laughs> yep. That sounds so American. Exactly right. So. <laughs> This neck, these next couple of scenes just become a comedy of errors. Um, oh, so we 
the Bannermen, they head up to the Beekeeper's home, and the music is just so, it's so wacky in this episode. It's just, oh, it is. And and everybody's cleared out at this point, right? No. Um, oh, no, this is before. Okay, sorry. This is ahead, before. There's the two, I think there's two people that find the home. Yes, you're right. You're right. Two Bannermen. This is where the spyglass comes in. Yeah. Yes. And... Um, the I don't even know if she has a name. The green baby who is now a green ish teenager. I don't know what, what letter comes after Delta in uh in Greek. We'll call her that. Epsilon? I don't know. Oh no. I'm green baby. We'll the call green, green, green teenager now at this point. <laughs> green tween. She um it's apparently the singing time and they do this thing where they hook up all this um like equipment, I think he says something about, "Oh, Billy, we're gonna use the power of rock and roll" or something like that. Yeah, and they hook up this microphone and these speakers, and she does this like singing thing, and she like grow. She's becoming like an adult as she's like doing this screaming singing thing. She's evolving into her next Pokemon. Yes. Level. Oh my God, she's a Pokemon. Yes, exactly. I'm sorry. My kids have totally discovered the Pokemon cartoons. And oh, boy. I never wanted to watch them when they were new, and now I have seen more than I care <laughs> to have ever seen. She's a Pokemon. And I don't know. Yeah, she's a Pokemon. That's what it is. Wow. My mind is now it's just blown. <laughs> All right. Well, next week... <laughs> So okay, okay. So this poor beekeeper's windows—they all explode, and I feel like they're transferring the girl at one point. And um, those two bannermen spot them, and I think she screams yeah. again and kind of distracts them. One gets shot, and the other one runs away. And now mm-hmm. this is when everyone's leaving, and um, as they're Except leaving, the doctor takes—he yeah. takes Delta's scarf. And oh, that's right. Yeah. Puts it under a door. Yes. And just leave. Oh, and he turns the radio on. Really loud. Yes. And he, they all leave, and then the Bannermen, they they all show up, and uh, Gavrock's like, they're in there, just open fire, and they're just, like, shooting everything. And they're like, what's going on? I don't understand. And they, I think they go around and notice, like, there's nobody in there, and then mm-hmm. they see the scarf, which I guess is something we should have... I didn't even notice she had one. You know, that outfit was so thoroughly white to begin with that you can't be uh, held accountable for missing the scarf. Yeah, it's just like, well, there that's her scarf. I knew it. She left it under that door. And then they open the door, and they're all just covered in honey. Like, all yeah. the honey falls on them. And then Delta and the Honeymen. Delta and the Honeymen. And they come out and then just like the bees are like, awesome. And they go and just sting the crap out of them. And they're like, exactly. ah. And they're all, covered, exactly. they're all covered in bee stings. And with it, I, this is also around the time we find out that Billy is a very dumb individual. And he's like, uh. I'm going to drink this stuff because I'm in love with you. And I'll become like you or something, right? And she's like. I mean, I guess I we've never really tested it. You could just die. He's like, whatever. I I have nothing to live for here, apparently, except this girl that's in love with me. But whatever. Whatever. I'm channeling the spirit of rock and roll. Yes. So there. So he's like, look, it's already working. Like I'm turning green and stuff. I'm like, 
Billy and, man, um, you weren't and my around. Hair was more back. Yes, I'm like Billy, you weren't around in the beginning. Um, those dudes were pretty ugly. They look right? kind of gross, Billy. Um, so good luck with that, buddy. And and call me crazy, but isn't this the stuff that Green Tween should be consuming? Yes, and probably needs like really needs like a baby needs baby food yeah <laughs> why are you eating her stuff dude? i, I almost feel like couldn't he have just been like hey can i come with you like if he i i assume if he travels he wasn't like gonna explode or anything right and i'm going to at least assume on some basic level that the physiology is similar enough that they could work on repopulating the species all right without having to yeah you know I mean, the Start doctor says, yeah, the doctor says, like, look, they need, like, a, a dude to repopulate their species, but uh, I don't know if this is going to work. And he's like, whatever, man, I love rock and roll. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Billy. I'll play them song. I'll croon to them. Oh, young William. <laughs> uh, I love, <laughs> so we're back at the Shangri-La, and I love the yes. Bannermen using, like, this bear statue as cover. Oh I thought God. that was the funniest yes. thing ever. Quick, quick, take up positions behind all the plaster animals. And it's also around this time we find out about the force field that Gavrock has put around the TARDIS so he can't transfer everyone through it. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe Hawk tries to put his hand through it. Yeah, like singes his fingertips kind of thing. Yeah, and he's like, ow, that hurt a lot. And <laughs> I I think we get another like singing time thing because they're trying to set up something on the roof. Yeah, they are. They're putting up like Billy's homemade mega amp uh, and some other stuff, and they're they're getting it all wired up to the uh, the camp's uh, speaker system. Yeah, and that's when the snipers and, shoot at them on the roof. Right, exactly. And I and I think she now evolves into a Charizard or something. Yeah, something like that, or a Snorlax. I'm not sure. Ah, <laughs> Snorlax. Yes. Yeah. So she screams again, and this is when she kind of evolves into like a, I think a full-grown person who still doesn't talk. Um, yeah, maybe a Togepi. Maybe. <laughs> Let's just name. Uh, what are some more Pokemon that I know? Uh, Butterfree. Butterfree. Um, she changes into an Abra, the worst Pokemon she... of all. <laughs> the worst was Magikarp. Magikarp's great. <laughs> Turns into coffee. Yes. Turns you know, into Geo, the... No, she becomes Geodude. Yes, she Geo. becomes Geodude. Perfect. That would God. be great. Um, uh, welcome to Poketastica. Yeah, apparently. And so she's singing again, and everyone's like, man, this really hurts my ears. And Gavrock is, for some reason, he's over by the TARDIS. I don't know why. And he's like, whoa, I'm falling over because this hurts my ears. And he falls into the force field and is kaput. He is done. He's done. Yep. And we overtake the rest of the Bannermen. We take them as hostage. And we put them in this ship that kind of looks like canine. <laughs> kind of, yes. <laughs> and how many times? I mean, Wales isn't that big. They're not covering that much of the countryside. But they keep using the ship. They're like... Well, we need to get about two miles down the road. Well, let's take the ship. <laughs> yeah, right. Just let's, walk let's there. go park it over there. No one will notice it. It's Wales. I did. I thought the um, where's Billy? He's changing. Literally, womp womp. One of us. Come on. Exactly. Oh, so corny. 
And that's when the doctor has to talk with Billy like, hey, um, I don't know if this is going to work. So, I mean, do what you got to do, man, but whatever. <laughs> but let your rock and roll guide you. Yes. <laughs> and then the uh, the TARDIS disappears in front of the agents. I think, doesn't he give... Oh, he gives them the satellite. That's what he gives them. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, here's <laughs> your satellite, guys. And they're like, we did it. Yay. And then, thanks, Doctor. And then th- my favorite part of this is the, it, the TARDIS leaves. And then we get this... The last shot of the of the episode is uh, Gorwin, the beekeeper, yeah. just, like, smiling. <laughs> And then the credits roll. I'm like, what is happening? He's just having every bizarre thing that he has seen or the bees have told him just confirmed to him. I think the drugs are kicking in. We will later find out that the bees are actually intergalactic time travelers who've known about the Time Lords forever. And they've been trying to tell this guy. And the guy's just like, I don't know. Bees talk to me. 1932 was a great year. Oh, yep. So that was um, that was Delta and the Echo Man. I or Delta and the Echo Man. See now that you (laughs) mentioned Echo and the Bunny Man, now I'm all Banner and Banner and the Delta Man. Delta and the Banner Man. I wonder how many variations of this title we could come up with. Uh, Probably a whole bunch. We could do a whole episode on that, but I don't think anybody would tune in at this point. I I believe they would not. So that was Delta and the Bannerman. I uh, I enjoyed it. I thought the music was a little weird at parts. Yep. Uh, other than that, I I enjoyed all the side characters, even the the wackiness of the beekeeper who just seemed just very willing to help. <laughs> yeah, it was it was nice for. I mean, I I totally enjoyed it because again, I haven't I haven't seen it in. Many, many, many years. So yeah. I have a memory of it, of certain things in the episode, and, and, and to come back to it, you know, as slightly more mature than I was then. Not a whole lot, but, you know, and and be able to rewatch it and kind of find a, an additional layer of appreciation to it. Now, I'm sure we will get many, many, many tweets about this episode from our good friend, Mike. He has um, already commented on something that he's very excited to listen to this. For whom I think I think he has said that this is his favorite, at least favorite Seventh Doctor episode, if not maybe favorite Classic Who episode. I mean, I it had very good parts. I really enjoyed Mel. This is my mm-hmm. first uh, time with her on the show. I really enjoyed Ray too. And I, after you gave me that little tidbit, I kind of wish she'd stuck around. I, you know what? She's I, also I my kinda... Swoon City this week, by the way. Oh. Heck yes, dude. She was, <laughs> she was my Swin City when I was 13 and I saw this episode for the first time. Um, but it's, it's kind of funny because knowing that and then watching the episode, you can kind of see, you know, the Doctor actually spends almost more of the story with Ray than with Mel. Yes, that is very, and very true. you can see in a lot of ways where they're almost writing it to set things up. Yeah. For her to become the companion. But it's at the end when she's not, it's not done in an awkward way where it's like oh uh, no mel staying sorry yeah and, and you, you could even see at the beginning like he was very just like oh you have all these tools with you that's amazing and oh mm-hmm. you can do this that's great and he was yeah he, it almost seemed like he was prepping her in a way but it exactly just didn't didn't go that way yeah so next time yes uh no longer on the tour so we're just um driving straight and making crazy turns whenever 
And, Boy, so uh, long as we're not on that bus. That's no, all I'm saying. No, we're not on that bus. That's for sure. <laughs> so next time we are going to be watching Terror of the Zygons, starring Tom Baker as the Doctor, Elizabeth Slayton as Sarah Jane Smith, and Ian Martyr as Harry Sullivan. It was written by Robert Banks Stewart and directed by Douglas Camfield. And uh, we are mainly watching this episode because it is a Loch Ness Monster-centric storyline. Nice. I forgot that there was one, and that that is... Well, and I don't think we've really done a Sarah Jane Smith. I feel like we may have done, like, one, but we're none. I can't remember. Uh, You know what? No, I think we may have done one, but just... Yes, we have. We have, because she was wearing some... She was wearing one of Victoria's dresses. What episode was that? It was. Oh, yes. His Pyramids of Mars. Yes, that's right. But hey, this is great. We will have our Martian ancient alien thing. We will now have our cryptids with our uh, Loch Ness monster. This will be fantastic. Yes, I'm I'm very I'm excited. excited to watch this. Definitely. And um, that is it for us. Is there anything else before I start plugging away here? Uh, yeah, I've got one little plug that I'd like to just throw out there to folk. Um, I, I don't know, on a, on a whim, I kind of designed a, uh, uh, a sticker and had some made up. It's a, uh, basically like a, like a street racing team. But for, for those of us who, uh, have to get up really early in the morning and, <laughs> and as a result are very sleepy rather early in the evening. Honestly, I will probably get a bowl of ice cream in me after this recording is done and go to bed. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's sleepy heads. You can race all night. I have work in the morning. Um, so I, I had a bunch of those made up and I've got a, a little, uh, uh, storefront at mountainrush.bigcartel.com. They're five bucks a piece. If people are interested and want one. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll put that in the show notes and, um, sure. That'd be awesome. Check that out. People limited edition there you go i'm I'm only making them once and not doing it again <laughs> i i really enjoyed uh the design yeah i i, I have seen the design you, i'm sure you've seen it yeah. yeah i mean you follow me on instagram you've probably seen it a few times yeah it's a very cool design so uh yeah. head on over and get it people please so you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter it's the podcastica uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, at Team Hate, and you can follow. Let me do that again. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Team Hate, and you can follow Taylor on Twitter at Apex Buddha. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Just search the Podcastica and look for the Gallifreyan writing, and rate and review us as well. Huge shout out to the Y Axes; they do our music. You can check them out on theyaxes.bandcamp.com they're also on spotify and all their other information will be in the show notes and last but not least head on over to notlg.spreadshirt.com and buy one of our podcastica shirts they are lovely and everyone should have one absolutely and that is it for us this week join us next time as we review terror of the zygons and we will talk to you guys then see ya yeah. Yep, that um that pretty much sums it up. Doesn't it? Well, join us next week when <laughs> <laughs>